Hey folks, here's your latest Whatsoever is True podcast with your host Jason and let's discuss Chosen. And, you know, The Chosen, if you haven't seen it, it is, well, it's pretty big right now. And it is in its current episode three, I think, uh, of season three is his forthcoming. I think we're in between episodes two and three. So if you haven't seen it, of course, it's, it's centering on the life of the disciples. And, you know, Jesus is, of course, portrayed, but the, the real, the story and the drama is around how this is all impacting the lives of the, uh, of the apostles. So what do we say? I mean, is it, is it biblical? Do, do we, should we watch it? And what should we think of it biblically? Uh, I think there's nothing more important than looking at life through the biblical lens and applying the principles of Scripture to everything that we do. And certainly something that is, is like this, right? That's betraying the life and times of, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So is it biblical? Well, sort of. I think that's my big answer. Let's, let's go first and foremost to, to the issue of should we be making a movie depicting Jesus Christ in this first place? I have the sort of, I'm ambivalent on it. And I, I, if, if you ask me, Straight up, would I do it? Would I write a book about Jesus? I would say no. I, I would not do it because the the burden of this is too large. As as a writer, as a as a as an artist, as a or as a screenwriter, in the case of the chosen, you're 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 putting words in in the Lord's mouth, and that's that's quite a bit, right? Go, going about and taking a fictional look at one of the disciples, or maybe the Apostle Paul, or John the Baptist, or something of that nature and, and filling in some backstory from a purely fictional issue. Okay. I mean, I think, I think you're on, on, on steadier ground right there. I think you're on more solid ground, but I do think that that ground gives way to very, very icy terrain. If you follow me and my analogy with that. And, and I think that whatever isn't a faith is sin. That's Romans 14. And so, you know, who am I to pass judgment on the servant of another? And it's before his own master that he stands or falls. And uh, he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. And that's, of course, Romans 14, verse 4. Uh, you know, one person esteems one day as, as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one of us should be fully convinced in our own mind. And, you know, the one, who, the one who's making this, they, they're, they're doing it in honor of the Lord. And the one who abstains from doing that is doing it in honor of the Lord. So you know, if I can paraphrase this and, and apply it to this situation, and you know, I, I would abstain from doing that, but uh, none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. So if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. And you know, this is Romans 14, 7. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Uh, for, this, for to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. So why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow, bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let's not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. You know, so this is coming on the heels of Romans 13, where we get a very... Uh, 
detailed list. It's very pithy, but detailed nevertheless, in that it says, Oh, no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves one another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And any other commandment is summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Um, you know, let us walk properly in the daytime, as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Um, okay, so all that said, that's kind of my, my, my marching orders when I'm approach it. I want to I give, especially professing Christians and people within the church, I want to give them every benefit of a doubt the same way I would like every benefit of a doubt. Because we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, right? Of God. And uh, so that measure that I'm using, I want measured back to me. I, I sincerely believe this, this attitude can keep us from lots of trouble in life. And I'm going to apply that to uh, Mr. Dallas, who is the, 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 you know, the writer, director of, of The Chosen. So that being said, I'm going to get into a couple of things I like and don't like. And, and let you go from there. Do you want to watch it? Do you think it's okay? Um, <clears throat> and then try to give him a fair hearing. So here goes. I think that in first and foremost, clearly the chosen portrays extraordinarily powerful scenes. Like the calling of, of Mary or Lilith. Unbelievably powerful scene. The first episode in season one details the, the trauma and the agony that she's she's experiencing being you know possessed and being being an outcast what a what a story and when, when Jesus comes to her at the end of that episode it is just amazing uh, same thing with Peter Peter uh, Peter and his brother Andrew are in dire straits financially they're about to lose everything because of taxes and you know all of this is is fictional this is not biblical. We don't know this for certain, but there, but you know you can you can tell the story without. I think there's no sin in that. But when Jesus comes to call him after a night where he doesn't catch anything and and the stakes are so high, he's about to he's coming in and he's going to lose all. And and there's Jesus on the shore. It's a very powerful scene, and you know absolutely absolutely that's a very moving and emotional and very powerful art, very powerful storytelling, and it is it is outstanding. There's a couple of things in there that, that in, in, in one case, when Mary, after her, her, her calling and her, her cleansing by the Lord, then hosts a Sabbath dinner, and, and Jesus shows up. Now, again, this is extra-biblical, but Jesus then, that very well may have happened. I don't, there's nothing wrong with, with that, because as John says at the end of his gospel, if all of the things were recorded that, that he did, uh, the the world wouldn't be able to contain all the books, right? So okay, that's that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I think the director and the writer goes a little out of his way to show a world that's a little bit more 21st century. In this case, is that Jesus asked Mary to lead the prayer, and I think that that would have been very unlikely. Um, you know, knowing what we know of, of the Jewish culture and and so forth, very unlikely. Um, a bunch of other things. Okay, so the turning water into wine at the wedding—that that, that I, I found that to be a very interesting story as well. Very well told. I I really enjoyed it. Enjoyed the the depiction of the the pressure 
that's on them to if, if they run out of wine and the the class struggle of of the hosts that they're, they're trying to not be embarrassed on this big day because of course a wedding feast was a huge event in Jewish culture and uh, a run out of wine was was appalling so Jesus clearly staves off a disaster socially in in that regard but there's one joke in there. They talk about dancing, and, and, and Andrew is a, evidently a terrible dancer. And they ask, in, in a joking way, if Jesus could fix that, right? If he could do something. He said, well, there's, there's some things even I can't do. Well, obviously, he doesn't say anything like that in Scripture. And, and obviously, he can do anything. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Obviously not. So but it's a joke. So I'm just telling you, if you're, if you're listening to this, that you know, you can make up your own mind from there. I, I, I once, once again, I'm going to go back to my principles to try to give other Christians every benefit of a doubt. I'm not giving you a benefit of a doubt from the, from the list I just read from Romans 13 of, you know, orgies and drunkenness and revelry and, and murder, strife. None of those things do we make allowances for. Those must be called sin and, and they must be repented of. Then we hit Romans 14 where, okay, there's some, there, what about the other areas of life? What type of movies should we watch? What type of music do we listen to? And I think that there's a lot of freedom of Christian liberty there. And I think the chosen falls into that area. I, again, I don't like any depictions of Jesus and, and putting any words in his mouth. I just wouldn't want to mess with that kind of pressure. And I think that the, the let's say, let's maybe put it this way, the consequences of me being wrong or doing it poorly outweigh the benefit of it. So I don't want to compete with the Bible, if you if you will. That's that's my take on that. So there's other some other episodes of uh, of the series. There's one coming up. I have not seen it yet. It's episode three. I understand that Jesus says when he goes back to Nazareth that he is the law of Moses. Um that's that I have a, a bigger problem with than some of the other things. I think that there's a there's an issue with that. He's a fulfillment of the law. To say that he is the law, I, that's not theologically accurate, and it can lead to some errors. Like I said, when you're when we're trying to paraphrase Christ and put him put words in his mouth and and put him in scenarios that we don't know that he was in. Once again, it's very, very difficult. And I'm going to go back to, I'm going to use that, the segue here, is to his interactions with the disciples. Say, little James, in episode two of season three, with him still having this handicap that, he's, that, he's, uh, that he has in the, in the series. Or Jesus meeting with Nicodemus, which is a, a meeting in, in John chapter three. So we know that he did have a conversation with Nicodemus in the night. Well, Jesus continues to say in, in, the, in the series that he trusts people. That, that, and he asked Nicodemus in the show, well, what does your heart tell you? Well, Jesus, of course, knows what's in man's heart. So he wouldn't ask us to look inside of our heart. He would say, repent of your sin and, and put your trust in me. Uh, so there's a, there's a kind of a dissonance in there, a, a disconnect, if you will, of the, the biblical narrative all throughout, say, Jeremiah, you know, the, the heart is deceptively wicked. And Proverbs, there's a way that seems right into a man, but it's way, it, it's, it's end is death. And I, I don't see how Jesus would say, look in your heart. What does your heart tell you? I trust you. I trust your heart. You know, 
there's there's a kind of a humanistic humanistic streak running through those types of interactions that I think would are not biblically consistent. So that's my take on that. Um, and again, go back to when you look at the the Gospel of John in chapter three, and Jesus, of course, knows what's in the heart of man, and so he's not telling Nicodemus you can trust your own judgment. He actually says, you know, you teacher of Israel, you don't understand these things. I'm trying to tell you, uh, you know, if earthly things, you can't understand them. How are you going to understand heavenly things? So the problem we have is that Jesus Christ shocks us at every turn. He's just never doing what we think he's going to do. He doesn't say what we think he's going to say. And so we need to be, and the reason for that is because we're conformed to this world. And we need to be transformed, constantly transformed. And that's the problem with all of this when you start talking about any type of representation or depiction of the life of Christ. Um, so with all that said, I'm, I'm not telling you that it's a bad show. I have found it. I've watched them. I, and the, all of the episodes that have been out so far, I've watched them. But you try, I try and watch with, with, with some biblical wisdom and caution, testing everything. And at the same time, praying for everyone involved with it, they, they do a good job. Because I understand what they're, what they're trying to do and they're, they're trying to be faithful to the text. They're trying to show a, a they're trying to use it as an outreach. Um, again, I'm going to have some differences. We all are, uh, but we should be unified in the love of Christ and the service of Christ for the glory of Christ. And I've just made this podcast, this episode, to point out uh, what I think should be one of those gray areas where, as Christians, we try and do everything we can to, to pull for one another. And, and yet at the same time admonish and correct and, uh, and keep, you know, keep an eye on one another because the, the devil the devil's roaming around like a, like a lion, right? And sin's desire is for us, and, but we've got to master it. And the only way to do that is through prayer, through the word, you know, through the sacraments, and through you know, real fellowship. So the common means of grace, and we have to stick with the basics because the big issue, look at 1 Timothy 4, you know, the, the, and Acts 20, when, when Paul meets with all of the elders of the, of the church of Ephesus. And he says, you know, these, these wolves are coming and, and they're, they're, they're going to lie. They're going to sow some deceit within your own congregation. So uh, no matter what, if you have been watching the shows and, and you've really been enjoying it and, and it's tugging at the heartstrings, that's wonderful. At the same time, make sure that you, you get good Bible teaching from your local church Make sure that you're in the Word yourself and you're prayerful. I, a few things I love now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into I was kind of sticking on the, uh, some of the, the, the borderline stuff. Let's look at a few things that I think are great. One, I love how there's an emphasis on everyone understanding the Torah. And, you know, that was the, the, the scripture they had then. Something that jumps out at me is that there was a high value in the Word of God. In, in, in at least in that Jewish culture at that time, even though, even though uh, you know Israel had clearly backslidden, and uh, the Pharisees, of course, were you know hey the Pharisees, but uh, there was an emphasis on trying to understand Scripture and and learn to memorize Scripture, and pray in the Scripture and and recognize the Lord in everything you're doing. Um, two things from that, two two observations. Number one. What a blessing we have that, I mean, I, right now as I'm, as I'm speaking, I've got two Bibles on either side of me. I have, literally have two Bibles on either side of me. I've got, I've got uh, a, a Ligonier Study Bible on one side of me, and I've got a, a MacArthur 
uh, John MacArthur study Bible on the other side. And, and I've got more on my bookshelf. I've got commentaries all over the place. And wow, isn't it amazing? What, what they would have given to have such unfettered access to the word of the Lord. And it's very easy for us to, to go out to all the gold and silver, right? And, and, and the sweetness of the honey in life, right? Paraphrasing there, Psalm 19. Uh, and forget how just unbelievably blessed we are to have the word of God at our fingertips. And, and we should be constantly praying in the scripture and, and devoting ourselves to the study and the application of it. And I think that's one thing I really got from, from watching it, that we have so many benefits and blessings. Yes, Western civilization is completely falling apart around us as, 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 as I speak and, and you listen to this. Yet, yet we have incredible blessings in, in, in access to, to the word of the Lord. And we have the entire revelation of the New Testament, which they didn't at the time. You know, they were oftentimes very confused. You see that in the biblical record, and the chosen is, is, is depicting that because they weren't understanding, wait a minute, what does that mean? What, that they couldn't put everything together. So the mysteries of the gospel have been, have been revealed to us, and we should be applying ourselves to them. And so that's one thing that really jumps out at me. Uh, <clears throat> another thing that, that does, that jumps out at me, that I think is, is relevant to our discussion and germane to it, is that in this regard with the, uh, the word of the Lord is how easy it is for us to be thinking in terms of, well, I don't like this or I don't like that. And yet, where's the gospel in this, right? I, I think Jesus Christ came to save sinners and save us from, from the wrath that we deserve. And we have the, the great benefit of, of this type of entertainment. Yet, I'm sitting there thinking, well, I, I do want to be dis discerning when I'm, I'm watching this, and so should, so should you. But at the same point, what am I doing for the kingdom of God in my field? Right? What am I doing in, in, my, in my home, in my family, in my neighborhood, and in, from within the church and at, outside of the church? What are we doing to, to disciple all nations? I think that's, that's the key to it because it's very easy to sit back and, and do nothing, right? To think our faith is something private. And that's something else that jumps out about the, the show is how much of a, more of a community that the Jewish nation was, and I think the Christian church should be, right? The Christian church it should be that. Whereas in the Old Testament time, you had, the ten, you had the aspect of all of it was going in towards Jerusalem, right? Everything, everything was going in towards the Jewish nation. And now everything comes out of the church. So we're being sent out into the world. And yet we shouldn't be losing that type of family relationships that you see amongst the Jews. The church should have that. The church should have the type of joy and fellowship that is depicted there, I think, pretty well amongst the Jews, an identification as a separate people, as a holy priesthood, if you will. And you go from there. So all that said, uh, should, you know, again, is the chosen biblical? Not really. I mean, it's, you know, it's got, <laughs> as in anything, it's going to be a, a depiction of a life of Christ in a time. They're going to have to make some decisions, and unless they want to tell the and use just only biblical uh, dialogue. 
So in that regard, no, it's not. They are putting words in Jesus' mouth. Are they openly heretical or, well, no, I, I don't think so at this point. I'm a little bit concerned about the, the episode coming up where he says, I am the law of Moses. Uh, you know, Christ is the end of the law, right? Christ is the end of the law. That's, that's the key. So that's Romans 10. And uh, we, we have access to God the Father through faith alone and, and you know, the, the, the biblical message of, of the gospel hasn't really been clearly presented in it as much. And I myself was a little bit squeamish watching the Lord pace around and try and, and gather the Sermon on the Mount together. I, I, I have trouble seeing the Lord look kind of surprised. There's no indications anywhere. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was, uh, all right, they're here. You know, he's never surprised by anything. So in, in trying to depict his humanity, they're, they're wrestling with his, uh, his, his authority and his sovereignty, the fact that he's fully God, fully man. That's hard to depict. That's why I said I wouldn't want to touch the subject myself. And yet at the same time, I want to give him some latitude and some grace. So uh, is, it, is it something you can't watch? Not, that's, again, that's up to you. And I, and I think that you, you should exercise caution with anything like that. But uh, there we are. Here we are with the shows, and, and I do hope that this little conversation was instructive, although I, <laughs> I didn't, didn't come out and say, you know, X or Y or, you know, A or B. I just simply said, you know, this is what it's got. It's got some good parts. It's got some, you know, um, not so good parts. But as always, we have to, we have to test everything. That's, that's up to us. And Romans 12 tells us, as you saw with the shows and how much the, the, the over 600 rules and regulations that Jewish people had at that point, well, we are called to present our entire lives as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable. For this is our, our, you know, our reasonable spiritual worship. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of our mind, that by testing we may be able to discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That's Romans 12, 1 and 2. So I think we have the greater job of it now. You know, we don't have all these little rules and regulations, right? We have, a, we have to think our way through. That's actually a little harder. Liberty is always a little harder than slavery, right? Because you have to be making decisions. They aren't made for you. The Israelites wanted to go back to Egypt because they had vegetables and they had security. And there is security in that. But we are not bound by the law anymore. We're no longer in the law. We're in the spirit. It's provided this, you know, the spirit of God is in us through faith. So, uh, all right, that'll be it. I do hope this was edifying and uh, helpful for you. And I will catch you guys next time.